This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Brian Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. How's everybody doing today? How many of you guys, like when you walk into a room and, and something's not hanging quite straight, does it bother you? A show of hands? Okay, I'm just going to fix this real quick like, okay? There, perfect. All right. The world is better. Amen? <laughs> I know the, all the people that raised their hands were like, please fix it. Please fix it. <laughs> Don't go through the whole service like that. Please. Well, you guys doing good this week? All right. Well, hey, we're going to get into it. I believe that uh, uh, the Word of God's going to change and transform all of us. Amen? You guys believe that? Well, let's pray and then we'll get into it. Father, we just come before you today. We thank you for yet another opportunity that we have to come uh, and just look at your word. And uh, Father, we just ask that you would open up our eyes and uh, change us, transform us, make us different, Father, than when we came. And we thank you, Father, for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I got a question today. And actually, it's a pretty good question because uh, the teenagers are in here, and uh, I'm sure that they've probably had uh, this in their life, but just this last week, how many of the teenagers in here, your parents asked you to do something and you didn't do it? Yes, I got it. Yes, perfect. Did you see that? It was almost unanimous. (laughs) Almost all of them. <laughs> well, this week I actually asked. I'm gonna I'm gonna protect my child, but I asked one of my children to uh, clean the basement, and uh, I'm sad to say I spent five days asking, and it is still yet to be done. Yeah, I know. I'm disappointed too, but uh, you know, as parents. Unfortunately, you know, uh, things don't always get done when we want them to get done, but that's okay. You know, and as parents, I think it's, it's, uh, there's times when it's challenging. It's hard. And uh, you're trying to uh, modi- modify behavior, change a behavior, or uh, get them to do something, or stop something, or start something. And, uh, you know, we can all laugh at the expense of the teenagers, but let's just be honest. We're kind of that way, too. Adults, you know. How many of you guys have ever heard this? Or how many of you guys, how many of you teenagers have ever heard this? Or maybe some of you parents have said this. What was the last thing that I told you? Anybody ever heard that that thing? I I grew up hearing that a lot. What was the last thing? I actually find myself, it must be something I, I find myself saying to my kids. What was the last thing that I told you to do? Anybody else in here ever heard that? Yes. And actually, my wife says that to me now, so, you know, that's kind of (laughs) weird. What was the last thing I told you to do? Because to us, it's pretty important. And, And sometimes, you know, the responses vary. Sometimes they can very quickly tell you what the last thing was that you said to do. Sometimes it's like, uh, I got no idea. And, uh, and, uh, and so... The point that I'm trying to make is, though, is that the last thing that we tell our child to do or the last thing that was, that was told us, it's important. It's important. And, uh, and so I think that we all can agree that, that it's important and it's something that we should remember, right? And so 
We see this very situation in, uh, in the Gospels with Jesus and the disciples in Mark. You know, Jesus had been crucified, he died, uh, he was put in the tomb, he was raised, and uh, he appeared multiple times to the, to the disciples. And at one time, he showed up with them, and they were, they were all in this house, and he said, what did I tell you? He said, I told you guys to believe. And you guys didn't believe. In fact, you were doubting and you had a hard heart. And there's something though that he actually, one more thing that he said, the last thing that he said to them was this. In Mark 16, 15, it says this. You guys have that slide or no? There it is. Then he told them, go into all the world and preach to everyone. Preach the good news to every single one. So that was the last, I don't know if you guys knew, that. Knew, wow, they're changing that. Is that gonna work? You guys got that? It was rubbing on my face though. Um, the last thing that he told the disciples to do was to go into all the world and preach the gospel, preach the good news to everyone. And so as parents, sometimes we tell our, our kids, that, what was the last thing I told you to do? I told you to take out the trash when I left. I told you to clean up this room when I left. I told you to do this. Jesus told the disciples, the last thing he told them was to go into all the world and preach the good news. That's what he told you and I. He told us to go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. That's the last thing that he said before he went to heaven. Did you guys know that? It is. It's the last thing that Jesus told us and it was very important. Regardless of how important we think it is, it is important. And so the question is, is are we doing that? Are we doing, you know, we, we kind of laughed and chuckled at these teenagers who raised their hand and said that they didn't do what it is that their parents told them to do this this week and we're laughing at their expense, but my question is, is are we any different? You know, are we doing the last thing that Jesus told us as a believer to do right before he went to, to heaven? And I wonder sometimes, Jesus, I, I think that Jesus is upstairs, you know, upstairs in heaven, and he's looking at the Father, he's like, hey, listen, man, it's the last thing I told him to do. You know, the Father's looking down, he's like, why do these people not go into all the world and preach the gospel, you know, as a parent would do? Why did you not, why did you not clean your bedroom? Why did you not do what it is that you do? I, well, it's the last thing I told him. And Jesus is looking at the Father, he's like, I, I don't know, man, it's, it's the last thing I told him to do before I left. You know, and so we can chuckle at that, but why is that? Why, why is that? And we're, so we're gonna spend some time looking at this, 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 this last command that he gave us, you know, and because Jesus was telling the disciples in that scenario, and he was telling us to go into all the world to preach the good news. And, and so, you know, in your notes, the, the point that I wanna make is, is that we were told, the last thing that we were told to do by Jesus was to go everywhere and tell everyone. Go everywhere and tell everyone. Say it with me. Go everywhere and tell everyone. So that's the last thing that Jesus told you and I to do when he left. So we should be about our father's business, amen? We should be going everywhere and we should be telling everyone about the good news of Jesus Christ. And so are we doing the last thing that he told us to do or are we kind of like those teenagers 
making excuses. I don't know. Let's look at John 15, 16. John 15, 16 says, this is Jesus speaking, for those that don't know. He said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever it is that you ask using my name. So we can see here that he chose us. He appointed us to go everywhere and tell everyone. Amen? And so he chose us, he appointed us, and I can remember growing up, uh, you know, uh, we would be eating supper and it was great and we'd come to the end and there was that time, you know, where it's like, okay, we're, we're done. No, we're not done because there would be a choosing and an appointing. You know what I mean by that? My mom would look at me or my brother and they would say, okay, you got the top rack of dishes. Greg, you got the bottom rack of dishes. There was a choosing of who was doing what and an appointing, right? So my mom was not saying, you didn't choose me. I'm sorry, mom, I did not choose dishes. No, no, that was not the point. She chose me to do the dishes. Look, you know, mom, I'm sorry, I, I don't choose to do this. I just, I, no, I have chosen you to do the dishes and I have appointed you to do the dishes, right? My dad did the same thing. Sometimes he'd be heading off to work. What would he do? He would choose me to mow the lawn. I choose you and I appoint you to mow the lawn. When I get home, this lawn better be mowed, okay? Now, sometimes I have yet to figure this out. If you guys ever figured this out, it'll be great because I was chosen to mow the front lawn. I was appointed to mow the front lawn. Greg was chosen to mow the back lawn and appointed to mow the back lawn. Yet somehow he would get out of it and I would mow the whole thing. Somehow, <laughs> Greg would use John 15, 16, and he would say, Father, you didn't choose me. And I would do it. But my point is, we're chosen. We've been chosen. We've been appointed. As believers, we don't have a choice in this, right? We, oh, Lord, I'm not, I, you know, you didn't choose me to go everywhere and tell everyone. No, you didn't, cho- you didn't choose me. He's, he's saying, no, 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 no. I chose you. I appointed you to go and do that. There is no option. You can't get out of doing the dishes. You can't get out of cleaning the basement. You can't get out of this. No, because why? I've chosen you and I've appointed you. So if you are here today and you know him as your heavenly father, right? What is the last thing he told you to do? To go everywhere and tell everyone. He has chosen you and appointed you to go everywhere and tell everyone. There's no getting out of it. There's no excuse. Listen, I tried it. I tried it as a kid growing up. I tried to get out of doing them dishes. It was terrible. I mean, nobody, I mean, you get dish hands and you know, it's just like, none of it's fun. You're scraping all that stuff off. You got, you know, and it takes an hour of your time. No, no excuses. There's no getting out of it. 
It's part of kingdom business. It's part of being a child of God. We've been chosen, we've been appointed, and so now is the time to do what it is, the last thing that he told us to do, and that is to go everywhere and tell everyone. So now, uh, you know, as it says here, not only that in John 15, 16, not only do we go everywhere and tell everyone, but we are supposed to be producing fruit. Go everywhere, tell everyone, and produce fruit fruit. Our lives should be producing fruit. It's not just, you know, that we just are doing the minimum. No, God asked us to do a job. And, And in going everywhere and telling everyone, there should be fruit that follows our life. And so he's chosen us. He's assigned us to do it. It's not a suggestion. It is a command. And so why? Why are we not doing it? Why are we not, you know, following through and doing the last thing that he told us to do? You know, I guess I kind of go back to my illustration about thinking about this one child of mine that I asked them to clean the basement and they didn't do it. So I I went back to that. I'm thinking, you know, my answer's there. My answer is there. You know, and so I was thinking about it. I said, you know, the reason I think that, that they don't do it is they don't really care. So I wrote that down. Ah, they don't really care. How many of you teenagers don't really care about some of the things your parents ask you to do? Come on, raise your hand. I know you do. Right. You don't really care. Some of you guys, raise your hand. I don't really feel like it. How many of you guys don't feel like it? Sometimes when your parents, yep, yep, see? I don't feel like it. I have more important things to do. How many of you guys have used that excuse? You guys ever use that excuse over there? Yeah, I got more important things to do, mom, dad. I, I just don't wanna do this. Uh, how many of you guys have ever said it's inconvenient? Any of, any of those guys in the back, you guys? Yep, yeah, it's inconvenient. Um, indifference, how many of you guys are lazy? You guys wanna raise your hand for lazy? Anybody, anybody at all? Got a mom pointing at one over here, got a mom pointing at one over there, lazy, okay. Yeah, Brian's wife just pointed at him, so. That's why he's not doing it. (laughs) Sometimes you're busy. I'll give you that, right? As teenagers, we have busy lives, right? But I think if we're really honest about why it is that we're not doing something, and we joke joke about the teenagers, but when we think about our lives and this last thing that Jesus told us to do, I think is we don't see a value in it. We don't see a value in it. We don't see what it is that he wants us to do as important. And when it comes to the last thing that he told us as followers to do, to go everywhere and tell everyone, we simply don't value it. We just, we just it's not a value in our lives. And so I asked the question, you know, what, what do we value? I think sometimes we value career, we value building a business, we value our investments, we value our house, we value our car, we value our job, we value our life, we value our wants, we value our needs, we value the things that we desire, we value the things that we care about, right? which is, I think is fine, but unfortunately, in that list of things that we value, what he told us, the last thing he told us to do, it is not in the list. It's, it's just simply not there. You know, when I think about what women value, don't laugh, women value Hobby Lobby, right? <laughs> How many women in here value Hobby Lobby? I know my wife's gonna raise her hand, we went yesterday. Right? And I know that she values Hobby Lobby because 
I walked in and I was going to go see, try and find somebody and talk to him. And she went her separate way. I knew I'd get lost and I'd never find her again. Thank God I got Life 360 on there and I can track her down to the square inch in that store, right? <laughs> because she values what's in the store. And we, we finally found one another and we're walking down the aisle and she just said, I just love everything in here. <laughs> and I said, well, why don't you buy something? Just buy, buy a few things. It's okay. You know, I just got, you know, a good husband, just giving her permission to buy some things and go. She's like, no, it's not good enough. I, 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 I want it all. And I said, well, you can't have it all. Okay. But I will let you buy a few things. She values Hobby Lobby. She values the things that she wants. What we value is our world. You know, when you think about the things that are important in your life, it's, it's your world, it's your sphere, it's, 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 it's everything. And when that, those things that are of value, um, you know, anybody starts messing with those things, what happens? We, we, we'll do something. We are moved to action. You know, when I think about uh, Rachel, uh, our kids are in a play this week, and she had to find all of the, the outfits and the costumes for it. And I mean, she went on an endless search. I mean, she's driving to Omaha, meeting with strangers and going everywhere, trying to find what it is that she needs so that these kids will look the part. Why? Because she valued what they valued. She valued the fact that, that they, they, their heart was in it. That's what they were wanting to do. That's what they needed. And so she moved heaven and earth and spent I don't even know how much money to do what it is that needed to be done. Why? Because she, she valued what they value. She values them. She, you know, and I've watched her as a mother through all of these years. She values those kids. So she's moved and she operates and she does. And I know many, many other mothers in here that do the same thing. Why? Because they value their kids. They value their life. And so they, what, you know, our, what we value is our world. And so I think though that sometimes we have a hard time to thinking beyond the things that we value. I think that we have a hard time thinking beyond the things that we value because it's our circle, it's, it's our focus, it's what we focus on, it's what's, it's what's right in front of us, it's, it's, it's our world, you know? And I think that oftentimes, I mean, it, it's, it's obvious that society recognizes that they're trying to get into our lives into the things that we value. So what do they do? I mean, they offer, you know, the, the progression of our world. We got on-demand everything, right? You just do a few clicks of a button and you got what it is that you want. I mean, you've got slogans like, have it your way, you know, because why? They know that the way to reach you is to reach the things that you value as a, as a person. And when they do that, they stand to make a lot of money, right? And so, I think it's hard though for us to, to look beyond that. And, and uh, if we value it, we'll care for it, right? If we value something, we will absolutely care for it. I know men in this church that have not a closet. They have a room, a gun room. You know who you are. I mean, there's decor on the wall. There's guns hanging on the wall. And, and wh why? Because they value guns. They care about guns. And so they have uh, uh, allotted 80 to 100 square foot in their house, some larger. Why? For guns. Because why? They value 
guns. Some of you guys have cars. Some of you guys have other things that you value, hunting gear. You know, you guys all know what I'm talking about. The men do, right? So the women aren't alone in this whole Hobby Lobby thing where they, you know, run the credit card up because of what they value. Men do the same thing, right? We have a hard time looking past that, though. If we value it, we care for it. If we value something, we care for it. You know, as we, as we ran some errands yesterday, you know, we're at, we're at Hobby Lobby, and she wanted to buy all this stuff. Now, some husbands, and this is just a side note for husbands, I don't have it all figured out. I just want you to know that. But what I do know is a lot of men will say, if you have a happy wife, you have a happy life, right? But it goes a little bit further than that, right? We're not just trying to to keep the peace. Because if I value my wife, I want her to be able to buy the things that she wants to buy within reason, right? Within that monthly budget, you know, because I value her. And I think that as husbands, it's like if we love our wives, it's not that we're just trying to keep them happy and, 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 and all of that. No, it's, 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 it's an action of I value her, so I'm going to give to her. I'm going to love her. I'm going to care for her. I'm going to, it's, it's my world, so I'm going to value it, and so I'm going to value what it is that she values because I care for her and because I love her. That's the way we should be operating as husbands. That's the way we're, what we're commanded to do as husbands is to value her and care for her. So, you know, in all of this, we must value what Jesus values. We must value what Jesus values. Jesus asked us to go everywhere and tell everyone. So the question is, is do you value what he values? Do you value what Jesus values? The other question I guess you might ask though is, is do you know what Jesus values? Because if we don't know what he values, how are we going to value what he values? Right? And so I want to look at this, and that's the next point in your notes is, is that Jesus values people. Did you know that? Jesus values people. When you value something, you think about it. And we see throughout the Word of God, we see Jesus thinking. He had people on his mind. Think about the toughest, one of the, the toughest day of his life, right? He's hanging on the cross. And, and he's, he's going through that process, and in that day of his life, you know, he's thinking about people. He, he said to John, make sure you take care of my mom. He wasn't thinking about himself. He was thinking about his mom. In another place, you know, he was, he was thinking about the thief that was hanging on the cross next to him. He wasn't thinking about himself. He was thinking about the thief. And, and, and so all throughout this, even when he's nailed to the cross, you remember when he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. What was he doing? He had people on his mind. Father, forgive these people, for they know not what they do. He, he was thinking about them because Jesus values people. Look what it says here in Math, Matthew 9, 36, because this is, the, this is probably the main point that I want to get across to you when it comes to this idea that Jesus values people. It says in Matthew 9, 36, but when, the, when he, Jesus, saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And so 
Jesus valued people so much that what? We see that he saw them and he was moved with compassion for them. He saw them and he was moved uh, with compassion. He wasn't looking at himself. He wasn't looking at, man, it is, it is so dry out here. I've been traveling, my feet are dirty, I'd really like to kick them up. I'd rather, you know, maybe get some popcorn and Pepsi and, and maybe go into some place where it's shaded and that's not what he was doing. He wasn't trying to, to meet his own needs. He was looking at the people. He was thinking about the people. He was moved to do something for the people. And if, if, you know, if we're gonna be found obedient, if, if when Jesus comes back uh, for us, if we wanna be found obedient, we need to be found doing the last thing he told us to do, which was what? Go everywhere, tell everyone, why? Because Jesus cares about people. Jesus cares and values people. Jesus values people and so I should value people. And so I wanna, as we, as we come to a close here, I wanna tell you about two ways. Actually, it says two ways in your notes, but I'm gonna give you three, a bonus point. <laughs> you guys need the bonus point. Actually, I got a little ahead of myself and printed them off before I found that third one. Anyway, okay, number one is this. Number one, the number one way that we can value people is we need to look beyond ourself. We need to look beyond ourselves, beyond your life, beyond your, your wife, your kids, your money, your needs, your desires, and your hopes. You gotta look beyond it. You gotta look outside the sphere of what it is that's right in front of you. Because that's where it's at. It's beyond it. It's beyond your life, it's beyond you know, everything that you care about, there is people who are lost. There are people that are hurting. There are people that are, that are going to hell. But if we, don't, if we don't look past our little world, we'll never see that. We'll never see that. And, and, and I believe that that's what Jesus was doing is, is that he was looking, looking, seeing. He was seeing things. And I think that the longer that you look and the longer that you see, you'll see things. They come, they, they rise up. You realize, you know, if you just glance at something, you miss it. But if you look intently and continue to look at what it is that Jesus is looking at, you see the need. And so we have to look beyond ourselves. Look beyond ourselves For 10 years, I know, I'm a slow learner. For 10 years, I drove down our driveway. And, I, and where we live, we drive down a driveway and we come to Highway 92 and then we turn, right? There's only two options. You turn left, go to Carson, turn right, go to Council Bluffs. Two options. And so for 10 years, I'm driving down this driveway and you know, a lot of times you're just focused. I'm gonna either turn left and go to church or I'm turning right and going to town, right? Or you're looking at the stuff that's in their neighborhood, you know, in the neighbor's yard. It's like, my gosh, they got all them old cars they need to get rid of it. And they, man, they really need to paint their house. And you're looking right there, right there. Man, that is an eyesore. They need to fix that. They need to do something. And you're, you're so consumed with what's right there that you never look beyond it. And so for 10 years, I'm driving down my driveway, totally focused on what the, my neighbor across the street could do with their house. And one day, I don't know why, but the sun was shining in a different way or whatever, but I come to the end of the driveway and I was like, huh, look at that out there. And I actually, I actually paused in the car and I looked beyond 
the car sitting in the thing, the corn, you know, the corn selling station and all of the stuff that was right there, the mower, the skid loader, the semi truck, all of the stuff that's sitting there that something should be done with. I look through into and out beyond what it is that I focused on for 10 years and I could see, well, I was like, wow, that's, that's beautiful out there. You know, the, the corn rows, you could see the, the straight corn row lines and the terraces and, and there's a, wow, there's a gravel road all the way. Well, that's a gravel road I used to ride on when I was a young kid. And you, you look at it and you realize, it's like, wow, look, look at what's beyond that. Look at the, the good place. But I think too, when it comes to us and looking beyond ourselves, you know, we get so focused on the problems and what, what we're dealing with and, and, and what isn't working and, and how we need this. And, and we, we spend 10 years focused on that. And my encouragement to you today is, is, is to say, you know what, yeah, you might, you might have some things that, that aren't, you know, you're still believing God for and you're waiting for, you know, that thing to come in or, or that change or, or whatever. But, but, but let's look beyond the, those things that are closest to us, those things that maybe you desire, maybe the things that, you know, man, if you got guns, great, so what? But let's look beyond what it is that, that is in our lives and see the people that are in our lives. Man, there are people that, that we run into each and every day. There's, there's people that, that I believe that the Lord will bring into our lives that we run into, that he's trying to get us to look beyond ourselves and say something or listen. Maybe it's not even saying anything. Maybe it's just simply listening. You know, instead of seeing it as, as inconvenient and man, they are annoying. Why do they always talk about that? Maybe we should change. Change it and, and change how it is that we look at it and say, you know what, maybe this is an opportunity that he's wanting me to be a part of. There's something that he's wanting me to help in their lives. So we have to, we got to look beyond ourselves, beyond our world and see a people, a, a world full of people that Jesus values. Jesus values these people. He's not, he, you know... <sighs> I mean, we could take this a step further, you know, and, and I, I hesitate to say this, but I don't know that Jesus really cares about some of the things that are going on in our lives. He cares more about the people that are going to spend their eternity in hell than the one thing that we think we so desperately need. He cares more about it. I mean, you think about the scribes and the Pharisees. I mean, they came against Jesus so many times because they thought that his priorities were out of alignment. I think our priorities can be out of alignment and we don't look beyond ourselves. There's people, guys, there's people that, that, that Jesus values in your life and he needs you. He needs your witness. He needs your influence. He needs your faith. He needs your love in their life. But if we don't look beyond ourselves, we don't see him. And so we have to see how Jesus sees. See how Jesus sees beyond ourselves. Matthew 9, 36, remember it says, but when he saw the multitude, because why? They were weary, they were weary and scattered. These people that Jesus saw, these people that Jesus valued, they were weary and they were scattered. And so what we see is, number one in your notes, they were weary. And, and, and I think that the, in your notes it says spiritual condition, but you know, I think in the natural, there was probably a natural condition that he saw. 
but I think he saw beyond their natural condition. He saw their spiritual condition, that they were, they were weary, uh, uh, their, their outward. And I think that that's the problem with us as believers is, is that we are so focused on the, the natural side of things. We're so focused on the way that they are, the way that they look, the way that they act, the way that, that, that what they do is doesn't, it doesn't line up with us. And so we, we, we hold them at arm's length. We don't even try. We don't even, we don't even attempt to, to, to wade into their situation and into their world because why? That what they're doing and how they're living and the things that they believe, you know, they're not voting this way and they're not doing this. And so we just, we just hold them away because it, it, it's, it's, it opposes what's inside of us. But that's not what Jesus did, man. He, he, he was with tax collectors, he was with the prostitutes, he was with the people that were lost, that they were weary. Their spiritual condition was what he was concerned about. And as believers, that's what we need to have. We need to have, uh, you know, our value in people is not the natural outside appearance. It's that we understand that their spiritual condition, they are so far from God that, that they are going to spend eternity in hell. And as believers, we are, might be the last thing, the last person that, that could reach them, that could touch them, that could share with them. So we have to, we have to value people. We have to see beyond ourselves and we have to see their spiritual condition. Because... That's how Jesus sees. Jesus saw the potential in people. Jesus saw the potential in people. Think about that he saw potential in Zacchaeus. He saw purity in a prostitute. He saw boldness in a bumbling disciple of Peter. He saw potential. You know, you go through the, throughout the Bible, the, 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 we see that he saw potential. He saw what these people could be, not what they were, but what they could be. And that's how we need to see people, see their potential, see that, that Jesus came to give them life and life more abundantly. See that, you know what, that is not who they are, were meant to be. See that, you know what, there's something greater for them. There, there's a, there's a, a life where they're cleaned up and they're living for God, they're fearing him, they're honoring him, and, 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 and we see the potential of what their life could be. Because I believe that when we see the potential of what their life could be, it changes our reaction. We react, we move, just as Jesus did. He saw their weariness. The other thing he saw was this, that they were scattered. He saw that they were scattered, which, which is their position, their position. So he saw their spiritual condition and he saw their position, they, that they were not in the right place. Their position was wrong. Do you know that before you gave your heart to Christ that your position was wrong? Your position was in a place of darkness. Your position was in a place of being blind. Your position was in a place of not being able to see or hear. Why? Because the God of this world does what? He blinds the minds and the hearts of those that do not believe. They are, they are in a jail cell. They are bound. They are in a, a seated position where the devil has them right where he wants them. And so this position that, that, that Jesus saw he saw that they were in the wrong position. Will started basketball, he played his second game, did a lot better the second time, but there was one problem. He, we got to the end of the game and we're driving home, we're like, buddy, you did a great job, man, you did a good job. And he's like, yeah, dad, you know, mom, thanks for saying that, but you know, nobody passed me the ball. 
And I was like, and I said, here's the deal, bud. I said, you were in the wrong position. And here's what was happening. What would happen is, is they dribble down the court and Will would be as far away from the ball as possible. I mean, like if the ball is over there, he's over here and he's waving his arms. He's like, best ball, and he's open. But what he doesn't realize is, is that he's in the wrong position. Why? Because his teammate is so far away, he cannot physically chuck the ball that far. And so I just told him, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna work with him this week, because why? Because he has to understand he's gotta get in the right position to receive. So he's gotta move from being way over on the opposite sideline to getting into a position. And he has to continue to move to get into position so that the ball can be passed to him. The same thing is true with us as believers. We're, we're you know, sinners, people that don't know Jesus, they are way out of position. Sometimes as believers, we're not in position either to receive, why? Because just like Jesus said at the very beginning of our message, they were in unbelief. Their, hard, their hearts were hardened. Their position was wrong. And so as, as, as we look at people, as we see people, we see that they are spiritually, their spiritual condition, that they're weary, that there's so much more for them. The second thing is, is we see that their position is all wrong. Man, we gotta move him. We gotta, we have to say, you know, and, and if, if I could go out there on the court with Will, man, I'd be like, no, 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 here. Come over here. Come stand right here. And you, you stand right here, and then your teammate will pass you the ball. And then the next time down the floor, floor I'd take him, and I'd go, you gotta go move, you gotta move right over here, stand right here, and, and, and then they'll pass you the ball. That's how Jesus sees people. When they're, when, they're, when they're lost and they can't see, you know what he wants us to do as a believer? He wants us to grab them. He wants to, uh, us to move them to a place. Come, come to this place. Come to my small group. Come to my home. Come to, to this place. Come to this counter. I'll talk to you. Come to, the, come to my car. Let's go out to eat. I'll, 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 t- I'll, I'll bring you and you, we can talk. I will show you that there is a different position. Come to my church. Come to this event. What are we doing? We're grabbing these people. And we're saying, I'm gonna take you out of this, this state where you're bound. I'm gonna take you in this place where you're blind and you're damned to hell. I'm gonna move you to a place where you are going to be, have life and have it more abundantly. And sometimes, you know what those people do? What do they do? They wander off. They wander off. We can't find them. Man, we gotta go after them. Why? Because they, you took them and you put them in a the position and then they, they, they got distracted and they walked off and they started doing things. And they, got, you know, they got tempted to do other things. What do we need to do? You gotta go find them. You gotta go look for them. You gotta get on the horn. You gotta get on your, your, your thing, start texting them. Get in their life and, and go and find them and say, I'm gonna move you back. Okay, come on back. Right here. Stand right here. You're gonna get the ball. <laughs> right? And I tell you what, it's work. It's gonna take more than one. It's gonna take more than two. It's gonna take more than three. It might take 50 times to get that person to come and get into the position where they're stuck. Whew, okay, I got that one. Now let's go get another one. Because why? We're moving people from a position where they're bound out of that position. He's using you. He's using me because he sees that their position is not correct. Remember Luke 15, 4? What did, what, did what did the shepherd do? He left, he left the 99. Some of us need to leave the 99 friends that we have. And we need to go looking for the one 
that's lost, that's hurting, that's bound, that needs Jesus. We need to go to them. The 99 will be there. The, the, the circle of friends that you have, they're not going anywhere, okay? But, but, but to live with the 99 and be like, ah, everything's good. No, it's not. Because Jesus sees and values the people that are, that are, that are looking for, for help. They're looking, they're looking, they're looking. We have to be the ones that go and find them and carry them back and rejoice just as the shepherd did. 1 Peter 2.9 2, says this, that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellency of him who called you out of darkness. Did you know that? You have been called out of darkness. You're sitting here today in light. You know, I think as believers, we get down the road of life a while and it's like, we don't even know any different. Everything's so good. We have light in our life. We have light in our family. We have light in every aspect of our lives. And we forget about the fact that we were in a place of darkness. Our position was all wrong. We have to remind ourselves again of where it is that we came from. We have to remind ourselves again of where it is that people sit. Why? So that we'll go to them, so that we'll be moved. In order to value people, we have to look beyond ourselves and see how Jesus sees. Number two, we have to move with compassion. Compassion is to have pity. It's to have a heart that goes out to people. That's what compassion has. Now listen, compassion has to be developed. You gotta give in to it. When, when, the Lord, when the Lord stirs something within you, that is a moving, that is, you know, it's not that we feel sorry to just feel sorry. It's like we see something. It's like, wait a minute, I see something. I, I, I had a glimpse, I got a glimpse of what, how it is that this, what it is that this person's going through. It could be, you know, a lot of times I think we look at like the homeless person or the person who can't pay for their, their groceries or the, you know, you know, the things that are very, very obvious. And, and, and we think, well, I, you know, that's what Jesus is talking. No, no, it's bigger than that. It, it could be a single mom who's, who's trying to raise four kids on her own. And when we're moved with compassion as a believer, it's like we see that, we see, just as Jesus saw. And we, we, we're moved with compassion. When we're moved with compassion, what do we do? We do something, we help, we step in. We say, hey, I'll help. How do you need help? You know, I'll watch your kids. I know a person in, in our church, he, the, he watched an infant. His, his kids are grown and gone. And he told me that he, he helped, he helped this, this lady to watch and I, and I thought, that right there is what I'm talking about. That is being moved with compassion. This person might be far from God, but it's just, it's just loving people in a simple way. That it might not be that, that, that he leads that person to Christ. It's just like, man, I'm just gonna be Christ's example. I'm going to move into the situation. I'm going to help how I can. If, if compassion comes upon me, I'm gonna step in. Maybe, maybe there is a person that's sitting there and they can't pay for what it is. What do you do? You step in, you swipe the card. You step in, you give the $20 bill. Why? Because you're just helping. You don't even need to preach. The, the action preaches, the movement preaches. When you see and you move, that preaches to the person. I don't know, may, maybe, maybe the person's, well, what are you doing that for? Why, I don't need it, I'm good. I'm, no, no, I just wanna, I care about you. I, I, you know, I saw that you needed some help here. I just, I'm not, I don't need anything, just wanna help. And that might open the door for you to begin to speak. You might step out onto the curb. You might step into the parking lot. You know, you might, might, might 
he might open up the door for you to begin to share and to speak with, the, with that person. Could be a coworker. A coworker, man, you go to work with them every single day, every single day. For years, you've been going to work with them. But because you're only looking at your world, you're not listening to their life. You're not asking questions that, 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 that kind of mine out those issues that pull out or draw out what's really going on in their life because you keep it so surfacey. Hey, you doing good? Good, yeah. Go have a good weekend? Yep. And off you go. Maybe some, some more probing questions like, hey, hey you know, how, how's your marriage doing? Oh man, it's, it's terrible. Because see, the thing is, is that the Spirit of God, he'll lead you and guide you. When you, when, you, when you go in and you're like, Lord, I want to see people the way you want me to see them. I want to value people. And you, you begin to tread into that and walk into that. He'll, he'll put the words right in your mouth. You'll, you'll ask a question. It's like, where did that come from? And, and that question will be the answer for them. And then you're like, well, gosh, if, you know, if they tell me that their marriage is bad, my marriage is bad. What am I going to say? What am I going to say? Listen, God will help you. He'll help you. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be available. You just have to be willing to say, hey man, I'm, you know, your, your, your marriage isn't good? <laughs> My marriage isn't good, let's pray, right? It's, it's, an, it's an opportunity, let's, let's pray. You know, hey, you know, mine, mine's not really the best either, but, but let's not commiserate, let's just believe God together. I believe that God wants us to have a good marriage. I believe that he wants to help us, and so let's just ask that he would give us wisdom and guidance and direction in, in how to change and what to do and what we as individuals can do, and just make it a point where it's like, let's pray. You know, prayer is huge. It's actually the third point in here that I'm not even to. Moved with compassion number three in your notes. If you want to go to the bottom, just write that. Just write pray, pray, pray. Our heart should go out to people. Our heart should go out to people. Guys, Jesus, there are 12 separate examples in, in the New Testament where Jesus saw and was moved with compassion. He saw and he was moved with compassion. So to sit here and say, oh, I'm good. I'm not moved with compassion. Guess what? There's gonna be an opportunity. Listen to this. He saw the sick and he healed them. He saw hungry, he fed them. He saw one that, that uh, uh, a man that had nothing and couldn't repay his debt, what did he do? He forgave the debt. He, he reached out to one, he touched one, he stretched out his hand to another, he taught one, he, he helped one, he encouraged one, and he had mercy on one. All because he saw and was moved. When he moved, this is what he did. So, so as believers, it's like, okay, you may not have it all together, that's okay. Can you stretch out your hand? Can you pray for somebody? Can you encourage somebody? Can you, yes, absolutely yes. I can encourage somebody, I can pray for somebody. And maybe if you're not, you know, the boldness thing is just not there, it's like, okay, I'm gonna encourage you, but I'm gonna go home and pray for this person. And guess what? I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna pray. Why? Because God values that person, and I value what it is that he values. And there's gonna come another opportunity because I work with him every single day, and I'm not gonna pass it by. I'm not gonna let it pass by. I'm gonna, every time that situation comes up, man, I'm gonna lean in, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna encourage, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna pray with them. Listen, when it comes to praying with somebody, it's just simple, it's just like, listen, it doesn't have to be long. It's just like, if somebody needs prayer, just say, let's pray. 
just boldly say, let's pray. And man, just, just say, hey, grab my hand, let's pray. And, 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 and God will give you what it is that you need to pray. And so even if it's Lord, Lord, I just ask you to bless this person. Amen. Can be that short. God can work with your prayer, okay? You're not the one that's changing anything anyway, right? It's him. He just needs people that are available. He needs people that, that see. He needs people that, are, that move, not just stand. Don't say I can't do that because you can. You can. Listen to what John and Jesus said in John 14. He said, I tell you the truth that anyone who believes in me, what will he do? He'll do the same works. I just told you the, the works that Jesus did. He'll do the same works that I have done and even greater works. Did you know that? As a believer. And sometimes we think, well, that was just to the disciples. No, 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 no. You're missing the point. You're a disciple, right? Aren't you a follower? We're all followers. Even greater works. Even greater works. We should be doing greater works than Jesus. We should be doing greater works. We should be extending our arms. We should be encouraging. We should be praying. We should be laying hands on those that are sick. We should be doing it. It's the last thing that he told us to do. What was the last thing I told you to do? As a parent, sometimes you get frustrated, don't you? What was the last thing I told you to do? <laughs> when they've done it seven times, please, what was the last thing I told you to do? What was the last thing? You, you try to say, what was the last thing I told you to do? <laughs> my wife's laughing at me because she's seen all of these facial expressions when I asked my child, what was the last thing that I told you to do? What's the last thing he told us to do, family? Go everywhere and tell everyone, amen? What are we gonna do? Are we gonna do the last thing that he told us to do? To go everywhere and tell everyone? Yes, we're gonna be moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. Some of you guys, are, you're, you're like, oh my gosh, you're out of your order in notes. It's okay. Move with compassion. What do we do? Do something. Okay, I'm gonna skip over a few. You'll be okay. Uh, move with compassion. What do we do? We do something. Do something. Second Corinthians says that there is no lack of love on our part, but you have withheld your love from us. I'm asking you to respond. Are you guys seeing these words? You withheld your love. Listen, family, we cannot withhold our love for people. We cannot withhold our love. It goes on, verse 13, I'm asking you to respond as if you were my own children. What was the last thing I told you to do? I'm asking you to respond, open up your hearts. So last point is, is under, under uh, in your notes is, don't let selfishness get in the way. Don't let selfishness get in the way. Because Paul was saying to them, you gotta be careful. You've withheld your love. So it's a choice. All of this is a choice. Some of us are gonna go from here and we're gonna internalize this and we're gonna ask God to help us. We're gonna help, he's gonna, we're gonna say, Lord, I want you to help me to value people. And man, we're gonna, we're gonna really make an effort to see beyond. Some of us won't. We will withhold our love, just as Paul said. No, man, we gotta respond. We gotta respond and do what it is that he told us to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Because this is what Jesus ended that with. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great. The workers are few. So pray to the Lord 
who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the field. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today. And God, we wanna do the last thing you told us to do. And we're gonna do the last thing you told us to do. We're gonna go everywhere, we're gonna tell everyone. Why? Because we value people. We value what you value. And God, I pray for each and every person that's in here that you would help them, help them to be bold in that. Help them to just step out in it. Just walk in it, just live in it. Live beyond themselves, Father God. Help each and every one of us. God, the, 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 the harvest is so great. The harvest is so great, but we wanna be workers that are found faithful. We wanna be workers that are doing what it is that you told us to do. And so I pray that in these weeks and months to come, that we won't shy away, but know with boldness, we will step into these situations. We'll step into people's lives. We'll step into those that are hurting. We'll step into those that need encouragement. We'll pray for those that need prayer. And Father God, we'll give you all the honor and the glory and the praise, Father, for the great harvest that will be the result of it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know that everybody that's in here, but man, what this is all about is, is you. It's all about people. This is the most important part of this, this, this time. So please, just, just remain seated for a second because there are people that need to make a decision for Christ. There are people that need to be brought back. And so if you're here today and you are far from God, you maybe know him as your Lord and Savior, but you've walked away, you are out of position. I need you to say, Brian, that's me. I need you to pray with me. Just raise up your hand and you can put it right back down. Is there anybody in here? You're far from him and you want to get back. I have one. You can put it down. Awesome. I just have another one. You can put it down. Another one. Put it down. Great. Anybody else in here that you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you want to make him the Lord of your life, say, Brian, please pray for me. If you're that person and you don't know him, just put up your hand real quick and we'll pray with you too. Anybody at all? All right. All right, well, we got three that wanna get back with him. So let's just pray together with the, these three and just say this out loud with me as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today and I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to bring me back into right standing with you. Your word says that if I confess, you're faithful and just to forgive me. And I know today that I've been brought back into right standing and fellowship with you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Listen, if you were those three, we have a prayer team that, that will be standing right over here to my left when we get done. And I would like for you to go down and talk to them. They have resources that they can give you to, to help you on your way. I encourage you that as we dismiss, just walk right down there. If there are others of you that, that need prayer for something, the Bible says that if we agree, it will be done. So what, when we dismiss, if you're that person, you can go down there too. They'd love to agree with you. They'd love to, to, to just link up together with you in faith, amen? Amen. Well, hey, we love you, and we're going to take communion now. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Can you give me that? <laughs> oh, we skipped a month. 
somebody on the, on the praise team joked that they were gonna do double communion. We're not doing double communion, okay? We're gonna do it one time, okay? All we gotta do is just do it in remembrance of him, amen? It says in 1 Corinthians 11 that we're to examine ourselves. It says, for I have received from the Lord what it is that I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given it, he broke it and he said, this is my body, do it in remembrance of me. So when we, when we take this today, we're doing, we're doing it in remembrance. We're remembering what it is that Jesus did. His body was broken. His, he took stripes on his back for our health and for our wholeness. And so man, if you're here today and you need, you need healing, you're remembering, you're like, wait a minute, I don't need this, I don't, I don't I, this infirmity is not mine, why? Because Jesus, is, Jesus, his back was split open for me. And so as we take this, you can just say, Lord, I receive, I remember and I receive my healing today. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you. We thank you for the, 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 the body that was given. We do it in remembrance of you. And today we honor you with that in Jesus' name. Health and wholeness to our bodies. You may partake. And it said in the same way, he, he took a cup and saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the death, Lord, until he comes. He's coming again, family. And until he comes, we will continue to remember him, remember the blood of Jesus, that it cleanses, it purifies, it speaks to us, and it releases us. Amen. Father, we thank you for the blood that Jesus shed for our sin. And today, we receive that. We remember that in Jesus' name. You may partake. You're so good. Thank you. God is good, isn't he? Let's pray one more time. God, I thank you for this church that you birthed so many years ago. You've been so faithful. God, today, we just commit again we commit again to doing the last thing you told us to do it wasn't a suggestion it was a command and so today Father God we just commit to that command we commit to doing that in this region in our communities in our schools in this region because you care about people. Help us. Help us to look past ourselves and see as you see. We ask, Father, that you would fill this place to overflowing. A testament of your goodness. A testament of only what you can do. Thank you for giving us the strength, the boldness, and the commitment to it. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. God's good, isn't he?